Alright, so today we enter Law of One Session 97. This was received September 15, 1982, a uh, little bit more than 35 years ago. Um, we're deep in the um, discussion about the L&L group considering moving to another property. Uh, to Atlanta or to something else in Louisville or wherever and um, Don's condition mental condition was um, declining a bit or was um, stressed strongly and uh, we have about half of today's session or session 97 that's blue bolded blue material meaning from book 5 uh, personal material personal commentary so we'll hear from Jim and Carla on, on that and the other side of today's session, uh, session 97, which we'll take two weeks with, is a discussion of significator of mind, uh, tarot card five, also called the, the uh, hierophant, or the pope in the old days, which is a very important uh, position in the seven cards series of the cycle of mind. Uh, in fact, in each of the, of the three cycles, mind, body, spirit, position five, significator, I consider the heart of the complex. So the heart of mind and then body and then spirit complexes would be cards 5, 12, 19, in my opinion. And I think they're very critical to understand what the well-developed mind and body and spirit complex looks like uh, from a 3D perspective, from the perspective of uh, work um, in polarization on the positive path and so a deep study of the significators I think is very important because that's ultimately what's fed by the first four positions or nodal points being matrix potentiator then catalyst experience five is significator and so what you really got is um, a matrix whether it's mind, body or spirit which is um, the, the, the complex, the, the default position or condition of, of each of the complexes, complexes, mind, body, spirit, matrix, which then is potentiated. It's potentiated by oneself, by one's attitude, and it then um, meets catalyst, or catalyst arises, catalyst appears, whether it's body, mind, you know, catalyst of... of sensations in the body or thoughts, feelings, emotions in the mind or energy fields or interaction with other or group or any kind of uh, so-called external dynamic. All of that as catalyst then uh, is received by the somewhat potentiated matrix of mind or body or spirit. That then, it's generally mind that, that does, you know, working on body and spirit is mediated through mind, of course, but the somewhat potentiated matrix uh, encounters and responds to any form of catalyst, thereby fashioning experience, uh, which then in a distillation or then the distillation of experience, whether it's mind or body or spirit, but ultimately, you know, whether this, whatever level it's occurring at, it goes through mind, that then feeds significator. So the significators of mind, body, spirit um, which all are aspects of the mind. <laughs> you see, the 22 cards are all in the mind. It's all in your mind. And so uh, the, the seven of body and spirit uh, pertain to the mind's experience of the transformation of body and spirit. That's the point. These 22 arcana, 22 major arcana tarot cards, nodal positions, this is just a point to get. Um, they are archetypes of the deep mind. So they are um, patterns or structural elements or the structure of the, in the deep mind by logoic design, by the logos, in this 3D physical only realm, by which the mind uh, uses uh, or the, by which the mind um, engages in soul evolution in 3D space-time. Uh, by its own experience of itself and then its experience of the body and then mind's experience of the spirit 
that's why these 22 are in our archetypes of the deep mind. They're not over the body. They're not in your toe. They're in the mind complex. Uh, the mind's way of working with the uh, transformation of of itself as mind and then also body spirit. Um, the significator position is where the great distillation occurs. That's the sort of uh, alchemical recept receptor, a receiving storage, receiving site for the fine essence um, of the transformation of mind and body and spirit done by mind <laughs> in 3D physical. So if that doesn't throw you off um you're uh, you're a good bronco rider so law of one session 97 starts with commentary from book five first jim then carla jim said after more thought on the subject of the hawk don again queried Ra about its significance since Ra did not wish to infringe upon don's free will by clearly explaining the meaning of the hawk and thus making don's decision to move or not move to the house for him the most Ra could do was speak in an indirect sense, in a kind of riddle that required that Don and each of us make our own determinations. The extreme desire on the part of any positive entity such as Ra to maintain the free will of each person on our third density planet is due to the fact that if an entity such as Ra gives information that could change one's future choices, that entity then has not only taught the third density being, but has learned for it. By learning for it, it has removed the spiritual strength that comes to one who struggles and finally learns for him or herself. In the larger view, this is not seen as a service, but as a disservice. Because of Don's doubt about the appropriateness of the house in Atlanta as our next home, we did not move to that house, but remained in Louisville for another year. It was the fall of 1983 before we finally found another house in Atlanta area and moved there. By that time, Don's weariness had increased to the critical point, and he had begun worrying more and more about whether he was even going to have a job since Eastern Airlines was rapidly falling financially. Uh, who, who facilitated the decline of Eastern Airlines? Well, frankly, it's not beyond the powers that be in this world to blow up a plane to kill one guy. And it's not beyond them to uh, knock out power to a neighborhood to stop one live streaming. Not mine, but I think that this happens. So, <laughs> believe it or not, um, one person that no one really knows about might be metaphysically far more important than a person to whom um, a thousand people uh, flock because the metaphysical power of one um, you know, is independent of popular acclaim. Popular acclaim, whether lots of people come or don't, is a separate matter from its metaphysical potency. And so, you know, I'm not saying that uh, the Illuminati uh, took down Eastern Airlines, but, you know, <laughs> they do lots of stuff that's strange. And anyway, whether it is or not, uh, Don was in a bad way. Uh, but Jim makes an extremely important point here that has bearing also, uh, you know, on... First of all, our own um, life progression and, and reflection upon the progression or our life journey when we uh, made trouble for ourselves or other and or other and look back at something that happened and wonder why we didn't learn, why we didn't get it earlier, sooner. I wish I had known this then that I didn't then but do now. Um... Uh, I regret what I did or didn't do. Uh, I wish I had woken up sooner. This kind of thing. Um, there, There is a process by which um, we are empowered by our struggle to learn. And we are weakened by um, a, a um, costless acquisition of understanding. Uh, no pain, no gain. That's somewhat true. It's not totally true, but there, but that's related here. It's not that pain leads to gain. It's effort <laughs> that leads to gain. Gain here meaning soul evolution, mind, body, spirit, transformation. But um, Jim explaining this 
um, uh, principle of non-infringement as to Ra not telling Don what to do or the meaning of the hawk. Uh, I'll just kind of gloss this a bit. The extreme, Don, uh, Jim wrote, the extreme desire on the part of any positive entities. It's the extreme desire uh, on the part of the most advanced positive entities. And the more advanced an entity on the positive path, the more careful they are, we are, to not infringe. So the extreme desire to not infringe manifested by beings who are extremely developed, such as Ra and Atman and Sixth Density Confederation, although they screwed up so many times in the past, so we can <laughs> put a little asterisk here, um, maintain free will of each person on our third density planet. Well, what about uh, Giza? What about Yahweh and genetic hybridization? Positive Yahweh. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can uh, put a little note on that and ask them later. Um, your interventions historically don't seem to manifest an extreme desire on your part to maintain free will, bro. So, in any case, it's certainly true that the highly advanced, positively oriented, which means wisely loving or lovingly wise, um, seriously does not want to harm anyone. And that includes not giving information that somebody asks, in some case, when um, it's seen that that person better ought to better uh, work for the answer himself, herself. And so Don, uh, Jim says, by learning for it, meaning if Ra had taught directly, if Don had, if Ra had answered, either answered the question directly about the hawk or told Don exactly what it means uh, and explained the nature of, of what's going on that represents learning for Don, and that represents a piece of work that Don would have been denied from doing for himself. It removes the spiritual strength that comes for one. It doesn't remove spiritual strength. It prevents um, the acquisition of specific spiritual strength. Specific spiritual strength, which is intelligent energy, which means access to intelligent energy in the seven chakra system. Yeah. By what? by the activation of green-blue, needed for the acceptance and, and um, cognition, comprehension, understanding, integration uh, of that which we're seeking to know. The learning, the answer to the question, the explanation about the hawk, could be known by Don if he potentiated the matrix further, if he, poten he self-potentiated the matrix of mind further by deep inner seeking, which he can do, which he's done, you know, muchly already. But in this case, it's a further development of fourth and fifth and sixth chakras that would be uh, the a particular work of finding the answer. What is a hawk? What should I do? Should we move? Should we not? Finding that answer will would inevitably require further activation of green, blue, indigo. Uh, it seems to me that requires further clearance of the blockages that prevent that activation of green, blue, indigo, meaning lower triad blockages. Of course, what else? And so that work is being prevented by Ra giving an answer. Likewise, when we talk with people, in fact, many times people don't want to hear what we have to say because they don't want to do, they're not ready to do that work for themselves or they sense that they better later do that work for themselves rather than simply listen to the truth you're offering. So this is a, the perfection of being rejected. <laughs> the metaphysical perfection of being rejected, offering help. Why? Because you can say, it's reasonable, that the person that doesn't want to hear us share some truth at a deep level knows they're not ready for it, but particularly they want to do it for themselves later after suffering more. <laughs> they want to suffer more because it's suffering that we're helping them get out of, you know. I mean, what's the purpose of learning? <laughs> what is the purpose of learning, soul evolution? What's the purpose of that? For, for Buddha to make somebody happy? To be a good student? It's to get out of suffering. It's to, it's to come to seven-ray wellness. Seven-ray, total self, mind, body, spirit, wellness. 
That's called freedom, moksha, mukti. That's the point, is to get better, to feel better, but feeling at all levels. And so uh, the person who rejects us when we're sharing, uh, we can say at a deep level uh, knows, although consciously they don't, but uh, the deep mind knows they need more suffering to be ready later to find the answer themselves. And um, it's better that you don't talk when they don't want to listen because it gives them more trouble. It gives them more stuff they have to reject um, while they're still in the phase of um, living in accord with wrong view and distortion and creating more suffering for themselves until they get to the point where they suffer enough to reflect upon their responsibility for causation of their suffering. And then maybe eventually they'll come to see what you were going to teach them three lifetimes before. That's the way it works, it seems to me. And so by giving the answer, so this is not even a case of somebody rejecting, this is a case of somebody sincerely asking. Don asked Rob, and Rob said, no, you got to figure it out yourself. But um, this is, you know, <laughs> it's an advanced lesson for the, for the helper to, to recognize when it's better to remain silent. And so <laughs> that's beyond the learning of when to remain silent when somebody's, you know, directly rejecting you. This is a directly requesting you. So when is it appropriate to stay silent when you're asked? That's another matter. But anyway, Don was uh, asking for help, but he couldn't do the inner work at this point. And Carla, in her explain ex explanation here, kind of um, gives the background of, of what was going on for Don from her perspective. And it, we can take it a step further. Carla says, ah... To be able to read or write the little hints that the Creator always seems to be offering us. Both Jim and I thought the hawk was simply a confirmation of that location. But Don was the boss, and he felt really and he really felt unsure to the point that he left for a time the idea of moving completely and tried to purchase the house we were renting. As I mentioned, the difference of about four percent of the house's cost was in dispute and Don did not see his way clear to giving the rather greedy owner an extra bonus for having us over the barrel of, quote, buy or move. So, in the end, we were forced to move somewhere, either in at Louisville or Atlanta. It was a fateful move, attended from the beginning by struggles and problems. The sad tale of our demise as a group able to contact Raw was beginning. <laughs> And it is sad because, um, you know, they had something really beautiful going on uh, as, a three, as, a, as a threesome. Um, but, you know, everything that arises passes away, and the seasons of the spirit uh, pertain to the life cycle of groups. And so, um, <coughs> they acknowledge that Don was the boss, which is right, <laughs> a spiritual organization, um, needs a leader. But the leader should be qualified by love and wisdom, by selflessness, not by power selfishly wielded. And so da, uh, Jim and Carla were mature enough to realize that, you know, who, they could let Don make decisions. And, um, and harmony was critical. And that means sometimes compromise and doing, not, doing what you don't want to do because a leader that you respect, that deserves respect, um, thought it so and one follows along. But that doesn't mean tyranny. So there's leadership without tyranny, you know. Anyway, um, Don wasn't well, and so if, you're, if the leader, the respected true leader, is mentally uh, unwell, um, then the whole group is in trouble. And <clears throat> so... They moved somewhere, but they Don didn't want to buy, and he didn't want to go to the other house because of the hawk, and he thought it was bad, and he was very, not in a good way, and um, the demise was beginning, although we can see in sessions previous to 97 um, other aspects of it beginning, or indications of, of um, 
breakdown in Don's condition and um, some heavy stressors on Carla with the negative attack. So anyway, let's go on. Uh, the session begins formally 97-0, the greeting. I am Ra. I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We communicate now. Don first asks about Carla. Could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? Don says, or Ra says, it's as previously stated. Don goes on. What's the situation with our fifth density negative friend? Ra says, it's as previously stated. Then we get to some of the personal material. <coughs> Don says, 97.3, I've been doing some consideration of the appearance of the hawk and have made this analysis of the bird in card three. Card three, again, is um, the catalyst of mind or uh, empress in some decks. Don goes on, the bird is a message from the higher self and the position of the wings in card three indicate one or one wing pointing toward the female indicates that it is a message to the female acting as catalyst for the mind. The position of the downward wing uh, indicates that the message is of a negative or of a nature indicating the inappropriateness of certain mental activity or plan. Would Ra comment on that? Ra says no. <clears throat> is the reason for this uh, lack of comment the first distortion? Ra said this is correct, meaning the first distortion is the law of free will. And... Um, some people ask regularly what does distortion mean or how does Ra use the word and uh, I give, I've given uh, many talks on um, how I see the usage of Ra, Ra's usage of the word distortion and uh, I would just say that there's the personal and the metaphysical the personal uh, usage or usage of the word distortion pertaining to personal matters is a wrong view uh, mistaken assumption, uh, core beliefs that are untrue, like uh, I have uh, anger so I'm an evil person, <laughs> or uh, I need everybody's appreciation, or um, everybody in the government is wrong or evil. It's not true. Many are, <laughs> but not all. Uh, everybody in the military is a sadistic murderer. No, some are, but most I probably are not. Depends on where. So, that's a common, wrong, commonly, common wrong view equals personal distortion. Then we have metaphysical distortion, the law of free will. The law of free will is the law of confusion. <clears throat> the first distortion, because from the perspective of unity or non-distortion, from the perspective of non-distortion or intelligent infinity, there is no free will. And so Ross said, the, the, the crystallized healer has no will, akin to higher self uh, as a late sixth density beingness, is beyond the experience of choice. They act, but um, their knowing is such that choice doesn't appear. They simply know right action without choice, which may be right action for them and not the same as another. But... For them, it's right action. No choice needed. No doubt, perhaps. Anyway, so that's the metaphysical level of the usage of the word distortion. Going on, 97.5. Don says, I have analyzed the hawk that I saw immediately after returning from the house in Atlanta as a message, <clears throat> most probably from my higher self, indicating that the plan of moving was not the best, was not too appropriate, since without the hawk, Everything would have continued as planned with no added catalyst. This single catalyst of a remarkable nature then, logically, from my point of view, could only mean that there was a message as to the inappropriateness of the plan for some reason yet to be discovered. Would Raw comment on that? <clears throat> His uh, argument is tautological, circular argument, unfortunately. He's basically saying um, the appearance of the hawk indicates... Um, the inappropriateness of moving or that moving was not, not the best, the plan of moving was not the best, not too good, meaning don't move, was a sign of the universe saying don't move or higher self. Why? Because um, everything because everything would have continued as planned if that catalyst hadn't appeared. <laughs> Which is really like saying the appearance of the catalyst mean is disruptive 
because it disrupted my thinking. My thinking or my planning, our planning, became disrupted when we saw the catalyst. Therefore, the purpose of the catalyst was disruptive or the purpose is its consequence. Not so. Not so. And so the purpose of... He, he's attributing the the nature of the catalyst or its objective, the purpose or nature objective of the catalyst, attributing to that, attributing its purpose or equating its purpose to its consequences in his mind. He felt it was a disruption, meaning um, the, the fact that he couldn't continue his plan, the fact that it arose and his planning was disrupted. Uh, he is equating with an understanding or, or defi- uh, uh, indicating, he believes that that indicates its purpose was to disrupt the move. But that's not the case. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's all, all of this is really subtle. Um, just because something, you know, our, our reaction to catalyst is not necessarily the purpose of the catalyst. So, uh, we see, um, you know, a beautiful butterfly appears outside my window. Or or last night, this big white thing. (laughs) It looked like a big bird. Um, Went straight straight vertically up uh, from outside my window to above the window. It basically went from the bottom of the window to the top of the window in a moment at night some big white something. Now, I felt disrupted or, you know, a little bit <laughs> surprised. Um, can I say that the purpose of that was to surprise me? Uh, no, I don't think so. Can I say that there was a purpose because I felt surprised? No, I can't say so. Maybe, maybe not. I got to look into it further. But Don is sort of making what I would call as a tautological circular argument here because he himself couldn't because he couldn't accept it or see it as positive um, and he then couldn't continue as planned the move by seeing it therefore its purpose was to disrupt the move meaning he's considering its its purpose its nature as intending to stop his move is determined by the fact that he stopped the move or he felt it was he felt an interruption and then attributes its cause its nature or purpose to his uh, reaction to it and and he's not logical here <laughs> he doesn't realize that that's an assumption that there's some assumptions being made but he's talking about logically from my point of view could only mean so Rigid, rigid, um, you know, boxed, partial logic is not that helpful. Anyway, Ross says, We tread as close as possible to the law of confusion in suggesting that not all winged creatures have an archetypal meaning. We might suggest that the noticing of shared subjectively notable phenomena is common when, in another incarnational experience, work significant to the service of increased polarity has been shared. these subjectively interesting shared phenomena then act as a means of communication, the nature of which cannot be discussed by those outside of the shared incarnational experience without the interference with the free will of each entity involved in the complex of subjectively meaningful events. Sounds like uh, Seth material was, Seth was uh, pinch pinch hitting here. So, Um, not every bird you see has an archetypal meaning. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, but there's also the phenomenon of shared um, subjectively or, or group sharing of subjectively meaningful events, something a group experience. But people outside the group don't have it. And um, Ra's saying that for them, who the raw, for the raw group, which understands exactly what's going on here, um, the nature of this subjectively interesting shared phenomenon 
uh, its nature cannot be discussed by those. Its nature is raw. Is actually saying that they will. They are refusing to discuss the nature of this subjectively interesting shared phenomenon, subjectively meaningful event of the bird. They won't discuss it because they're outside the shared incarnational experience. Um, and if they did discuss it, there would be interference with the free will of each person involved. And so, at, you see, what Ra's really encouraging here, which I'm not sure if they got or not, is you guys should talk about it together. You guys should share more deeply what each person thought it was <clears throat> or meant, because it did mean, actually, there was a, a kind of blessing to the move to the house, even though there were certain problems with it. <coughs> and so that's another interesting point. It was probably a meth lab that they were going to move into, a pre prior meth lab or drug uh, manufacturing house. Meanwhile, um, it was suitable, it seems, if that's indeed the house where the hawk appeared. But Don didn't think so, and um, that's not a problem either. The problem was that they didn't talk about it together, and Don was sort of asking for raw to clarify what does it mean, what should I do, without <clears throat> the, um, the, group, the intensive group discussion about it that would have um, led them to a harmonious answer as a group. Uh, and that's also, th there's just, you know, I don't want to go on and on with this, but um, in any group where um, particularly they're doing spiritual work, but not necessarily even, even in a family system, right, where people are not necessarily uh, doing meditation and studying, learning together, growing together, consciously, deliberately, obviously, but they may be at a deeper level indeed <laughs> there to provide catalysts for each other so that they can grow as souls. But in any kind of grouping situation like that, there is something that's um, quite intimate uh, to the process uh, being experienced by the members that someone outside doesn't have, it isn't relevant, or it, it's um, not really their business. <laughs> you can think about it, do whatever you want, but it's reasonable for, group, for people in a group to refuse uh, people coming in. It's reasonable for people in a group to not want to explain what's going on in the group to outsiders. It's reasonable for outsiders to be clueless. And it's reasonable or necessary, valuable to respect what's going on there as something that, that they're co-creating. And so, and Ross said, you know, in the case of, of, of um, <clears throat> noticing shared subjectively notable phenomenon, like a group experience of something um, important, something particularly important to the members or the whole group, um, when... Um, work significant to the service of increased polarity is shared. Um, they're basically saying, Ra's really saying that particularly when a group is involved in, in spiritual work, or I would just say when any individual in the group um, is committed to so their own self-transformation uh, or helping the others, then it's really quite important that the group shares their perceptions of and ideas about any kind of uh, meaningful event. So group process is very important, and Don, Ron knows this very well, and was really redirecting back, uh, redirecting Don back to the importance of group process, and saying, uh, "No, we can't really tell you, but." Um, this is special, and your group is special, and the opportunity to discuss it is important, and that's really where your answer will, will come. 97.6. Can Ra please tell us the source of the unusual odor in this room this morning? Ra said, there are two components to this odor. One is, as has been surmised, the decomposing physical vehicle of one of your second density, Rodentia, meaning a dead rat body. The second is an elemental, which is attempting to take up residence within the putrefying remains of this small creature. Hmm. The cleansing of the room and the burning of the incense has discouraged the elemental. The process of decomposition shall, 
in a short period of your space-time, remove the less-than-harmonious sensations provided for the nose. Aha. This is the way ETs talk, actually. <clears throat> and so, or most of them. Um, okay, uh, two components to the smell. One is a, a rat's body decomposing. The second is, interestingly, the smell of the elemental that wants to burrow in and take up residence in the rotting corpse, rotting rat corpse. The rotting rat corpse is a suitable home for some type of lower astral elemental entity. So elementals smell too. And that, uh, you know, <laughs> one can be aware of the uh, appearance of certain elementals by their smell. One can be aware of the presence of a negative entity by a drop in temperature. One can be aware of all sorts of non-physical beings by all sorts of subtle uh, evidence, subtle phenomena. But it's interesting that if you, if you have rotting food <clears throat> or rotting rat carcasses around, um, lower astral junk comes not near. So keep your place clean, you know? Keep your shit tight. Keep your shit tight, but not too tight. And, uh, you know, the angels love shiny and so, uh, if there's lots of, if the room is dark and dull and dirty, everything with the word, the letter D, and uh, there's, you know, you, you keep food in your sink overnight, why? Do it now. Clean up. Be a Zen monk. And so, clean up the food in your sink. Don't leave shit around. You know, cover your garbage. Uh, because astral elementals and all sorts of other unwanted, non-physical and physical pests draw near with the uh, rotting rotting material rotting biological material it's not uh, you know it's not what's for dinner so <laughs> it ain't good anyway um, that's so you but you see they're going through all sorts of intense stuff the LNL group here and even this happens a decomposing rat and you can say that um, what was the meaning of the rat? Well, you can say it's accidental, it's just random. You can also say that it was a sign that they really should be moving and not staying in that house longer. How about that? Anyway, 97.7, Don says, I find myself, and this is a very kind of poignant talking here, Don says, I find myself presently in a difficult position of decision, primarily because of the appearance of the aforementioned hawk after our return from Atlanta. So the hawk happened actually when they came back. This, the only objective of any value at all, is the work that we're doing, which includes not only the contact, but communication and dissemination of information to those who might request it, meaning people outside the LL group. Since the move was connected with that, and since the hawk was, to me, obviously a function of that process, I am at present in a quandary with respect to the optimal situation since I've not yet decided definitely on the significance of the hawk or the advantages or efficaciousness of the move and do not want to create a process which is basically irreversible if it's going to re result in a lack of our ability to be of service to those who would seek that which we are able to manifest through our efforts here. Would Ra comment on that situation? <clears throat> and um, Don seems quite self-tormented here. He knows the hawk is important, he can't throw off the fear and the concern that it was a negative sign. It, it appeared, I guess, when they came back to uh, their house in Louisville from Atlanta. Uh, you know, um, if there is a decision to make, and either at the location of, uh, if there is a location associated with the decision, with one option, or one of the choices that could be made in a decision, one choice, per, if it's a place, the appearance of, of some kind of um, synchroni synchronicity or unusual sign there, or when we come home, or, you know, somehow. If it's a positive sign, <clears throat> it, it, the way to know the positivity of the sign um, is not that easy. <laughs> Anybody can say, oh, well, trust your feeling. What did you feel? How did you feel? Well, Carla and Jim felt good, but Don felt bad. So he went to trust his feeling. He felt bad. But he didn't feel bad necessarily because the, the hawk was a warning and saying, don't move. 
he felt it because he was in fear or concern, or you know he had invested so much emotionally in the group, in in their work, in each other that he put a lot of pressure on himself and he really, really didn't want to make a mistake and the wrong decision. He so strongly didn't want to make the right, the wrong decision that um, this appearance basically um, put a hard, he, he put a hard break on the process, on the movement, because this could be indeed a warning, don't go. But if he just followed his feeling, which is what he did, it wasn't enough. What was missing, it seems, was the deep communication in the group. And Jim and Carla may well have persuaded him. But it, I guess that didn't happen. And so uh, Don is showing here how important not only the contact is, but um, sharing it with other people. So you remember, this is 1982. Uh, the world was a whole lot different, it seems, 35-plus years ago, at least... The state of metaphysics, New Age material, 35 years ago was uh, quite um, empty or barren or uh, quite different. Uh, but it was also coming out of an earlier time, 50s, 60s, where there was some great contact with the Confederation before the later 80s and 90s where there's so much garbage, I think. And uh, close your eyes and talk and everybody thinks you're channeling because discernment has been... Uh, damaged and wounded, and people um, don't or, or don't value uh, discernment and and uh, critical thinking. They become, you know, sloppy sloppy minded. But in the eighties, early eighties, coming out of the sixties, seventies, fifties, um, people were a little tighter um, with their analytical skills, and um, at least you know people in the new age or spiritual communities there were. A, at least it was still quite highly valued. <laughs> Strong, critical thinking, rationality, and the willingness to disagree and say, no, I think you're wrong, it's mistaken, was much... Um, people perhaps had a, a, a stronger mental function in spiritual communities then than now. Perhaps, perhaps. It seems like that. But in any case, um, Don um, felt bad, was so concerned, couldn't talk with the group, and asked Ra what to do. Ra said, The questioner presumes much, and to comment is an infringement upon its free will. We may suggest the pondering of our previous comments regarding the winged creatures of which you speak. We repeat that any place of working properly prepared by this group is acceptable to Ra. The discrimination of choice is yours. So, any place is okay for Ra. The question is, is it okay for the three of them? And so they hadn't, they, you know, this is what leads to, isolation leads to ruination. Isolation precedes ruination. Isolation is not good. Uh, it's particularly in a strong, in, in a close spiritual group. So Don was self-isolating, and I guess they were not really sharing deeply enough um, their perspectives on the, the hawk and the move. And um, for Ra, any place is fine. The question is, is it fine for the three of them? And so Ra is in a certain sense saying, um, not every bird has metaphysical significance. <laughs> you may think it does, you may like it or not, but it doesn't mean that it's a sign from higher self. It may be, it may not be. There are all sorts of things that happen that are not what you think they are. <laughs> Duh. And there are all sorts of things that, that seem ma magical and amazing that are actually relatively random or um, associated with, let's just say, an even deeper, more subtle level of process and are not necessarily telling what we should do. You know, what you should do is a very personal, intimate decision. And... Higher self is not what you think it is. Higher self doesn't necessarily tell you what to do as much as, as much as some people think. There are a lot of what I think are very silly, immature people that talk about higher self in the context of um, um, direct uh, advising uh, for very minor or very, what seem to be trivial life decisions. 
and they think that you can ask your angels and ask your higher self and do this and that to be told what to do every time by everything and that higher self has an opinion on whether you eat you know noodles or rice or whether you put on this clothes or that so uh, there's a lot of confusion about that anyway um, we'll see some of this later in the session 97.8 uh, jumping closer to the discussion on the archetypical mind Don changes gears says are there any items in the first four cards not of Ra's intention that we could remove to present a less confusing card as we make our new drawings Ra said we find much material in this query which would constitute repetition may we suggest rephrasing the query <clears throat> and I think in, in session 96 um, Don asked almost the same question like, what else can we get rid of that's not from raw, that's astrological, that's not important or meaningful in the design of the cards? And raw, I guess, believes that uh, they said a lot already. Um, it's not necessary to ask the same question. Don picks up and rephrases, says, saying, possibly I didn't phrase that the way I meant to, which was, we already have determined the items that should be removed from the first four cards. Okay. The question was, have I missed anything that should be removed which were not of Ra's original intention in the last few sessions of determining what should be removed? So you can see even his way of speech is um, kind of contorted a bit and um, gangly uh, or awkward and um, not, not, not smooth, um, I think, as a reflection of his state of mind. But, um, I mean, he was a purist, a perfectionist, strong, very strong will, very strong intellect, and very, very positive, obviously. Um, meanwhile, um, what about Green Ray? Um, if if Fifth Ray and Sixth Ray are very strong, I mean, I would think for Don, Fifth Ray was the strongest of the upper triad, green, blue, indigo. Fifth Ray, the wisdom was very strong. And probably a lesser uh, six and and four, but um, too much mental and too much. I mean, you see, everybody who's talking spiritual is mental, meaning it's of wisdom discernment. It's not of sixth ray. <laughs> Heavy talking. There are lots of people who talk, talk, talk about this theory and that theory and this teacher and that view and the other view. And I do that too. Um but not after class, <laughs> not when I'm alone. My mind is not there. And I don't think, I think it's harmful to stay um, attached to mental, mental production. Mental production is not home. Samskara is not my home, right? Sunya is my home, if we can be there, meaning emptiness, meaning uh, as it is ness, ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta in Buddhism means suchness, Gautama was called Tathagata. Tathagata. Tathagata means the thus come one, the such come one, the one, the guy, the one who just came. That's it. He just came. The such. The such coming one. <laughs> the one that just came here. How about that for a um, uh, free, uh, non-differentiated uh, description? Non-differentiating description. This one here, Nityananda said of himself. And Gautama was the, the thus come one, the one who just came. And um, that's, that is a de-emphasis of um, mentalizing um, dwelling, the dwelling of mind in mental production, which is not helpful. It's helpful to discuss it <clears throat> as medicine. <clears throat> but but <clears throat> excuse me, when, when the disease is gone, you don't keep taking medicine. You don't take... You know, you don't take poison to cure poison when there's been a, a, a successful detox. And so mental, mentalism is a big problem. And there are a lot of spiritually minded people who are very stuck in their mind. Um, and then there are other people who are stuck in their feelings. <laughs> so it's better to put them together and um, leap into the boundless and make it your home, as Jong said. So Don was heavy mental <clears throat> and... Um, it, it isn't, you know, um, ceaseless mental production is, is not the, the goal. <laughs> it isn't nibban, nirvana, nibban, the goal, awakening, freedom. 
is not associated with ceaseless mental production. For you folks who think it is, maybe you don't, but I've seen some people who are very proud of themselves because of their um, their high level of mental production, their false yin-yang awareness, and or their attachment to yin-yang and polarity, uh, which is for them mental production, uh, which is not <laughs> moksha. It's not even on the road to moksha because you got to drop it. Mind, <laughs> the mind is maya too, baby. Don't you know that? The mind is maya too. So, yes. Uh, Don's wondering, what else should I remove? Ross says, we shall repeat our opinion <clears throat> that there are several concepts which, in each image, are astrologically based. However, <clears throat> these concepts are not without merit within the concept complex intended by Ra, given the perception by the student <clears throat> of these concepts in an appropriate manner. We wish not to form that which may be considered by any mind-body-spirit complex to be a complete an infallible series of images. There is a substantial point to be made in this regard. We have been, with the questioner's aid, investigating the concept complexes of the great architecture of the archetypical mind. <clears throat> to more clearly grasp the nature, the process, and the purpose of archetypes, Ra provided a series of concept complexes. In no way whatsoever should we, as humble messengers of the One Infinite Creator, wish to place before the consideration of any mind-body-spirit complex which seeks, <clears throat> which seeks its evolution, the palest tint of the idea that these images are anything but a resource for working in the area of the development of the faith and the will. To put this into perspective, <clears throat> we must gaze then at the stunning mystery of the One Infinite Creator. The archetypical mind does not resolve any paradox or bring all into unity. This is not the property of any resource which is of the third density. Therefore, may we ask the student to look up from inward working and behold the glory, the might, the majesty, the mystery, and the peace of oneness. Let no consideration of bird or beast, darkness or light, shape or shadow, keep any which seeks from the central consideration of unity. We are not messengers of the complex. We bring the message of unity. <clears throat> In this perspective only may we affirm the value to the seeker of adepthood, of the grasping, articulating, and use of this resource of the deep mind exemplified by the concept complexes of the archetypes. And that's a beautiful long answer there, uh, 97.9. So <clears throat> the four parts here, and it, it echoes what I just said um, before about the difference between um, uh, mental production of spiritual concepts and true spiritual freedom. Not the same. And um, one is actually <clears throat> a big problem um, with mental um, attachment, you know. So let's go in. Uh, Number one, Ross saying that although there are astrologically based concepts appearing in the images of the cards, um, they're not without merit. Some of them are helpful because some of them um, are in accord or resonant with the main ideas promoted, you know, given by Ra or, or shared by Ra as to the meaning of each of the cards. So just because they're astrological doesn't mean they're irrelevant to the core meaning. They may be useful to the core meaning. So some people, on the, on the one side, there are people who don't even know they're astrological. Further in, you have people who say, well, look, they're astrological, not meant by Ra, not given by Ra, throw them out. Don is, and Ra saying, even though we didn't give them, even though they came, even though they came later, even though they take the, the, the material, the... the significance of the card further than we gave, there is resonance with what we intended and some of the meaning of the astrologicals. Alright, so if you can see, you may see what others don't see. You may see um, truth that others can't see. They see folly, uh, and you may see folly, but also truth. And so somebody who says, it's bullshit, 
um, <laughs> so many people like saying that, uh, may not realize that in some cases, or in that case, there's, there's very great truth available that isn't uh, contradictory to the bullshit or the folly at a more super, uh, superficial level uh, of what's appearing. So, at one level, indeed, we're seeing deception. At another level, the liar is speaking their truth. The liar always speaks the truth of being a liar. The liar's identity as a liar is always spoken by their lies. <laughs> their lies reveal the truth of their identity. And, and the truth of their identity reveals their psychodynamics and also reveals their karma to come. So much truth is coming out. And Gongsu said, Confucius said, you know, um, I can learn from the good man and I can learn from the, from the wicked man, both. Uh, he's not learning the same thing, but he can see truth everywhere. And I think there's a, from I Jing or somewhere, maybe Taoist, maybe Gongsu said, uh, something like, um, we only you you only make you only make people into liars by not believing them. Uh, we we make you make people into liars by not believing them. <laughs> and it's only by not believing them we make people into liars. Now, of course, some people are lying, but if you can see, you can see the truth that they're lying, and you can see the truth of their character. You can see the truth of why they're lying, and you can see the truth of their future karma, which they don't want to see. <laughs> So, second paragraph, we wish not to form what may be considered a complete and infallible series of images. So, you know, taking the raw material as the only presentation of universal truth is a problem. And um, although indeed it's, you know, if you believe what they're saying, the Logos determined archetypical structures or structures in the deep mind for the processing of mind, soul evolution of mind, in third density, pertaining to the development of mind-body-spirit, so the development of mind for 3D evolution that pertains to the development of mind as related to itself, mind, and body, and spirit, Ra's not the last word on the evolution of mind in third density, nor is Tarot, nor is there discussion of the meaning of the cards. I mean, there are other traditions that have nothing to do with this, and uh, you know, <laughs> do just fine to achieve harvestability and more. So, and they say there's a substantial point to be made in this regard. So, um, find truth within. You may find truth that Ra didn't present. That doesn't mean that Ra is limited. It means they just can't say everything. You know, you cannot speak infinity if you hadn't noticed. So, um, <clears throat> to more clearly grasp the nature, processes, and purpose of archetypes, they gave these tarot cards, and um, they're saying um, these are simply, ultimately, in, in the end, resource for working in the area or in the, for the development of faith and will. And that's totally different than how most people get pre preoccupied with the details, the minutiae of the meaning of each card or each symbol. Same with astrologers. Same with Kabbalah, Tree of Life uh, researchers. Generally are very heavily attached to endless discussion of the minutiae of the signs and symbols and the planets and houses and the iconography of the cards and their garb and this and that. And Ra is saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> the purpose of studying this is for a greater development of faith and will, which is called Six Ray. So development of faith and will are Six Ray attributes. Finally, before we close, I'm just going to, today we'll end here at 97.9. Um, to pull out of, to pull out of um, this attachment to the intellectual uh, minutia uh, of the details surrounding the cards, each of the cards, and to... Um, to put into focus the greater purpose for which Ra gave these cards, which is development of six chakra, faith and will, which which really means faith um, that this is a an ordered. This is not a random crazy experience we're having down here on Earth. This is not random fickle. 
and uh, the degree to which we direct will, the, the, the wise, the balanced direction of will, you know, uh, acceptance of self, forgiveness of self, and direction of the will, said Ra, as akin to moving to magical personality, or sixth ray, or sixth chakra, or um, actually um, six-dimensional life. Acceptance of self, which includes knowing oneself, forgiveness of self, which is very balanced, very much six chakra, and direction of the will, which means where you use your six chakra. <laughs> it's not simply direction, the development of six chakra, which activates will and uh, leads to natural forgiveness, but how you use that will, the direction of will. You're going to turn it to uh, one, two, three. When is it right to keep the will focused on the lower triad? How? When and how? Very subtle stuff. But uh, to pull out of the limited mentalism, intellectual, uh, you know, the, the swamp of intellectuality, uh, drain the swamp or drain yourself from attachment to the swamp of intellectuality, Ross saying, gaze at the stunning mystery of, of life around you, inside out. Um, the archetypical mind doesn't resolve paradox or bring all into unity, meaning looking into all these details doesn't help us with the great work of um, moving to unity. It helps with development of will and faith and an understanding of you know the logoic plan for 3D evolution or the development of mind-body-spirit in 3D evolution. Okay, but it doesn't itself um, move. It doesn't itself move to unity. Um, and the resolution of paradox is something better. Yeah, the sound is all all messed up today, but I'm going to have to just um, uh, close this because uh, the recording is cool. So, um, pause. Uh, moving on from the uh, white noise phase, uh, Ra is basically contrasting <coughs> Uh, what happens from an excess, um, pre from a preoccupation or excessive attachment to studying and deciphering all the minutiae of all the meaning of all the items and elements of each card, from that to approaching um, resolution of paradox and a real grokking, a real grok of unity. Uh, and so any resource of third density, including the tarot, or even the archetypical mind itself, um, because it's of third chakra, um, and our very limited mental faculties, uh, won't uh, per se um, lead us to appreciation for the glory of unity and infinity all around us. And so look up from inward working, behold the glory, the might, power, majesty, beauty, and power, mystery, which means un inconceivability, um, and the peace of oneness, but it's all that is, is the oneness, meaning you look outside and whatever you see, this is the one field of divine life. Creation is all, and including the human creation or human artifacts which are so distorted, yet um, certainly we can see it in nature, the sky and uh, plants and animals and the, this, the earth and its mineral basis and the ocean. Uh, seeing all that is easy. We can see the glory and the majesty and the beauty of, of what is, which is one. And so uh, the central consideration is unity. The, this great matter, this great work, is to move out of duality to non-dual being, but non-dual being doesn't reject the relative appear, the relative truth, the relative reality um, of appearance or all that appears or the dual, the appear, you know, the differentiated. Anyway, closing, Ross says we're not messengers of the complex; <laughs> we bring the message of unity, and so um, only from that perspective, realizing the primacy, that their purpose is to share um, the reality of unity and the tools for us and adepts uh, to move to a, a more full awareness, uh, resonance, being, life expression with unity, right? Knowing, 
accepting, uh, conforming mind, body, spirit, and behavior and speech, and to more fully resonate with the beingness that is unity, the, the beingness condition of mind and energy, consciousness and energy, associated with full seven ray activation in balance, which includes six and unity, um, from a, a perspective that that's the main work and the purpose of Ra's contact, then, yeah, sure, fine, uh, one can look into, grasp, articulate, and use the Tarot system uh, as a resource. But, you know, there's nobody talking this way about Tarot. There's nobody talking this way really about path um, and the the relationship between the particular and the universal, between the uh, study of the differentiated and the opening heart-mind to the, the source of differentiation or unity or the unity of infinity or infinite unity as is. No, there are very, there are very few sources that talk this way. And that, again, um, one reason that, that some people deeply love uh, Ra and the raw material, and I do, and um, I worship Ra, yeah, not as a god, not as a deity, but I have deep reverence and respect, as I said before. And um, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. So I hope you don't have a problem with yourself. So anyway, <clears throat> um, that really puts Don uh, his deep questioning about details of the cards into a greater perspective. And again, you can I see how wonderful <laughs> the raw material is uh, by how even though they can analyze fine detail, uh, they never lose sight of, but they never stop from helping us <laughs> see the glory, the majesty, the beauty um, of, of unified creation as is, beyond mental, mental, you know, calculating and figuring things out. It's about opening heart-mind to what is. That's the work of appreciating unity. But, of course, the mind needs uh, great development as well. But attachment to mental process or mental fashioning um, is a stumbling block for sure. Next time we jump in at 97.10 and um, go into car, uh, questions about significator of mind, and that'll close out session 97 next time. So I'm sorry for the um, white noise in the middle. Uh, now it's nice and quiet. I hope everybody's well. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.